1: All you heroes and champions crows pirates and inquisitors welcome to the dragon age Lorecast. cast i'm shelby and i'm austin and we are so excited to bring you this podcast every episode we'll be talking about a different topic in the dragon age universe from the maker to lyrium to aravels we will cover it all there will be spoilers and always remember swooping is bad Hey, Shelby. Hey, Austin. How's it going? Pretty good, are you ready to talk about our topic today? Oh,
0: I am very ready. Awesome. So, it's kind of part two to our maker that we're getting in today. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about the maker and the chant of light. Today, we're talking about Androsteanism together and just who is Androste? What did she do? Why is she important?
1: Yeah, so, um, I researched her, like, heritage, who she was when she lived on Earth, and then we'll move into who she, um, is in the religion. So, I wanted to start with a quote from the World of Thetis Encyclopedia, Volume 2, it says, The Chantry starts and ends with Andraste, its mother, the bride of our maker. There is a lot that we don't know about Andraste's life, especially her early life. Her date of birth is very contested. We don't know a lot about her parents or her extended family. We do know that her dad's name was Eldorath, and he was chief of the northernmost tribes of the Alamari tribes in what is now Ferelden. So probably close to where Denerim is now. So Eldorath married Brona of the Syrienne, which helped secure more lands in Ferelden's Fertile Crescent. Um, So we think they think that um, her birthplace was in a settlement that is now Denerim. And she had a sister and her sister's name was Halle Sare. Um, and I also have another quote that I really liked. Um, it said, Andraste, still a youth awakened unquiet to a storm. I think that really foreshadows her life, um, and who she was when she was like a teenager. Um, she saw her sister, Hallie Sayre, following some floating lights into a forest. So she followed as any older sister would, And apparently there was an event that happened, um, a violent event. Um, We don't really know what it was, um, but Hallie Sair died. And um, she, it says, her body suffered wounds beyond weapons. And um, there were fires throughout the forest as a result. And so when you know, her parents and other tribes, people found Andraste, she was pale, shaken, um, and did not know what she had seen. So, uh, the Syrian, which are her mother's tribe, which are the people of, um, proto Orlesians, essentially, they thought that it was either animist spirits or like a blighted animal, but the Alamari tribes thought that it was a rival tribe. So this event is like the first big event we know about Andraste's life, and it really follows her forever, for the rest of her life in three big ways. Number one, the storm that was happening when she followed her sister out, left her with a sickness in her lungs, and she wouldn't really recover from this for another decade. Number two, she ever since then, heard voices and saw auras that no one else would see um, and she would like go into a trance basically and nobody could bring her out of it and then third later in life she reinterpreted this event um, and saw Halle Sarah's death as the fault of the old gods so this is really happening in her um, late childhood teenage years. Um, and she married after this, she got married to Mafferath, which, um, their marriage definitely created a larger Alamari border. Um, and so their marriage, their alliance was the largest alliance between Alamari tribes to ever exist at that point. So, the first blight lasts from about minus three ninety five ancient until one, uh, minus one ninety five ancient, so about two hundred years. It deeply impacts all of Thetis, especially and most significantly the Taventer Imperium. Because of this, a lot of outposts um, on the the uh, border ran short of supplies and guards and military. Um, and so Andraste's father Eldorath was murdered when Tventers started raiding Alamari settlements. At this point, Andraste was also captured and taken into slavery. So Mafarath became the leader of their tribe and he was steadfast in getting Andraste freed from slavery. So most of the Alamari at this point are loyal to Maffrath, but they love Andraste. They love her and Mafrath is fine, but they don't love him, but they do support him in negotiating for Andraste's freedom. And he succeeds in this. So while she is enslaved this is something that really impacts her life right so um, the combination of the lasting impact of the blight the dramatic fall in worship of the old gods into teventer due to the first blight andraste's experience in youth with her sister and her experience in slavery created the perfect context for her search for the maker, she really claims to have found the maker's influence in everything, um, and and she told people this. Um, and her visions of the maker, as she um, grew up, as she became an adult, as she moved into um, her battles against Taventer, her vision of the maker became more clear more direct and more complex as time passed, she eventually began to see herself not only as someone who saw a vision of the maker, but like she saw herself as a conduit for the maker um, and, and for sharing his truth with all of Thetis. So at this time, the Alamari were continuing to seize borders of Tevinter. Um The Alamari tribes were supportive of this and, and really just went along with her religious beliefs They, uh, did not really wholeheartedly support her yet, but soon Maffrath realized the loyalty that she commanded, right? And he was a masterful tactician. So he was really good at planning military battles, all this kind of stuff. And so he kind of really capitalized and they made a great team for a while, um, and so they're pushing the borders of Taventer. The magisters and the archon of the Imperium are not concerned with them at all. They are much more concerned with growing civil unrest in Taventer. So I also need to mention that during this time, Andraste meets an elven former slave named Shartan. And they become allies, he becomes her champion, and so his people add to her army of the Alamari tribes. So um, Andraste and Mafarath go through a few battles, they really move into um, like the mainland of Taventer, not just the outskirts. Um, So, as they do this. It becomes less of vengeance on Tevinter and more of a holy war for the Maker. So in the end the Alamari and Andraste and Mafrath, they were victorious and um, they won this war essentially but um, the happiness of winning the war was not to last um, because they continued to push into Taventer and Mafarath not only becomes jealous of Andraste's popularity with the people, but he also becomes jealous of her commitment to the maker, what he could see um, as another man, essentially. Um, so simply put, he betrays her to Taventer. He conspires with Archon Hesarian. And they um, allowed disguised Taventer forces to enter Andraste's fortress in what is now Navarra. She was captured, taken to Taventer, where she was tied up and set to be burned at the stake. As she began to burn, Hesarian kills her instead of letting her burn at the stake and suffer a long and painful death. He ended the spectacle, and this is really seen as his conversion to Androstianism, Obviously, it will be a while before, like, everything comes out about Mafraft's betrayal and before um, the cult really starts to spread in popularity. But um, historians really look back on this moment and see this as Hesarian's conversion. Um, <clears throat> so after she dies... The Alamari end their assault into Taventer, and Mafraath split up the rest of Thetis into um, different lands that would be ruled by his sons. So Mafraath rules in Ferelden along with one of his other sons, um, and then parts of Orle and what's now Navara were also split up between his other two sons. It would be 10 years before his betrayal of Andraste would be found out by the people. And when they did find out that he was responsible for her death, Mafarath and his entire council was killed. And there's no known burial site for him. So that's uh, the gist of Andraste's story.
0: Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um I think a point to get into this is really to kind of talk about the use of a savior story in a religion, because that's what this is. Um, it's absolutely it's a story of the rise and fall of a savior, similar to many stories when you look in the Bible or other religious texts of this. Savior figure that rises up is where really Andraste serves this purpose. And coming into the justification of a holy war and almost kind of the justification of opposing to Venter is almost a holy thing to do.
1: Yeah, and I think that that was a very common belief after the first blight because like you have to think the first blight is devastating to almost the entirety of pharald or not just Ferelden and all of thedas like it lasts for 200 years and they finally kill the Archdemon, right and then he comes back because they don't know that that's a thing that happens Right. So, like, it would have been devastating. And to Venters here, they worship these old gods. They are the ones that are responsible for the dark spawn. They're the ones that are responsible for the for the blight. And so, I'm sure, like, everyone blamed them. Mm-hmm. I would, if I lived then, oh. I would hate them. Like, they're the reason everyone's suffering. Yeah.
0: And this is something to remember especially about the first blight. The blight in the fifth blight, which is the blight of Dragon Age Origins, is actually a relatively tame blight compared to the oh, other yeah. the other four. Um and I think that I mean it's so much that there's even doubt that it is a blight at all until the archdemon shows up.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like I remember in the beginning of Origins they're all talking at Ostagar like, oh, is this really a blight or is it just a horde? Like, we don't know. It's, it's probably just a horde. Right.
0: And, like, I think it's important to know, like, the reason that the darkspawn are so devastating is because they never, no matter how many times you kill them, they never really reduce in numbers because the dead that they kill, when the blight infects them, they become darkspawn to feed to feed the number and so it's a, it's a force that just moves through it's only real. that's why the gray wardens are so important and i think that these treaties are made in this moment to really say that like okay like they they are the last defense like if we're not careful this thing could wipe us all out
1: yeah i think it's after the first blight that they all sign the treaties i can't remember i should have done my research but yeah. i did not um and this is the but the gray wardens sorry go ahead i was gonna
0: say this is the world that andraste comes into because she she's born either during or like at the very end of the blight right
1: yeah i think it's at the end the date is hotly contested of her birth so there's argument there
0: which is another thing but but yeah so like just she is born into this world and grows up into that. Just kind of thing this fear of the dark spawn and just kind of setting that up as you talked about is just like the perfect context for her to be in yeah uh
1: the perfect storm right yeah and you have to think about like the gray wardens get founded during this blight so for a lot of it there's like no hope so like like there's just no hope. There there's no way. And even when they were founded when they're just starting, there's still no hope because the majority of the people don't know about the Grey Warden. So she comes into this environment where like there's no hope. You have yourself and you have what means you have to kill darkspawn and that's it.
0: And like that's we see this in history of these contentious times often yield these very charismatic leaders that amass large followings whether that's for good or for ill it's you know a coin toss either way in hi- from a history perspective um but yeah so you get this point of like andraste really kind of like seizes this opportunity and with her husband kind of capitalizing on that uh I think it's interesting though from a kind of savior perspective is that Andraste very takes on that holy warrior archetype that we see so often um like I can I can tell like that some of the Andraste is at least probably mod- I would guess modeled after St Joan and these other
1: Yeah, Joan of Arc. You know, That's what I was going to say. She so reminds of- me of Joan of Arc
0: right um and that's just where that comes in um and so she starts this you know it's not a cult cuz we'll get to, we'll talk about the cult of Andraste later cuz that's different than Andrasteanism.
1: well right? in modern day it is different yeah like yeah. the cult of Andraste the disciples of Andraste are the group That lives in Haven at the time of Dragon Age Origins that believe Andraste has been reincarnated in the form of the high dragon and that the ashes there they want you to poison them because they no longer contain the essence of the real Andraste because she's been reborn but in this time I think you can call it the cult of Andraste because it's not really a real religion like it's not it's not fully fleshed out. Like it doesn't have doctrinal standards. Like it doesn't have a place to worship. It's just people that are following her. And she's saying these like few things about the maker. But but that's not really the primary goal. Her primary goal is this march, this war against Tevinter. That's her primary goal.
0: Right, which makes sense because she was born as a slave she wasn't born as a slave she went into she became into tevinter and Taventer is on this kind of boogeyman status yeah and i mean i they're they're in a boogeyman status for the entirety of the game well i think they are
1: like i i mean think about it you have and I, i can think of like one exception to the rule like Every nation in Thetis pretty much holds to the line in the chant that they talk about that's like, um, magic can be used by man but should never rule over him, right? Like, they're all on the same page about that. And Taventer is the one exception that interprets that line differently and says, oh, but but like, we can rule, it's fine. And the rest of them kind of say, well, you're breaking that. And that, that's ending up why the Chantry splits from the Imperial Chantry. And that's a whole other episode.
0: So where we're kind of like going, like, I think it'd be interesting to talk about is like so many religions that exist in our world, they really don't get formed until after the charismatic kind of leader's death. Absolutely. Androstianism is no exception to that. Uh, So after her death is really when people start, you know, exonerating her and lifting her up to the status of bride of the maker, even though, if I remember correctly, it is a term that she uses.
1: Um, I believe so. I don't have a specific quote, um, but yes, I do think that she uses that phrase or at least something similar to that phrase. Right. Yeah, so um, the official religion really isn't formed um, until Emperor Cordillus Dracon the first of Orlais, um, until he comes into the picture. He is a very, very faithful follower of Andraste. And so he is the one that has this vision of a religion, essentially. Um, And he was, like, beloved, okay, by the people for a lot of reasons. Number one, because he was able to really unite Orlais into an empire. Um, That hadn't been done yet. And there's so many things about Orlais that come from him. And he's in the first age. Like, he starts the first age. Um, There's so many things that come from him that continue on. Like, He's the one that was obsessed with fashion. That love of fashion in Orlais comes from Emperor Draken. So there's that, number one. Number two, he is really a hero of the second blight. Um, He fights Darkspawn. He um, really starts stamping out worship of the old gods like so he is, he's just a hero of Orlais. Um, and so when he was 17, he, uh, has this vision of a unified Orlais worshiping Andraste. And so he always knew that the cult of Andraste could be so much more than just belief, just like scattered belief among a few tribes. He had heard of her, uh, when he was a child, and she, he saw a vision of her um, where she charged him with redeeming the world in the eyes of the maker. So that is like what he believes is his calling in life. He believes that his job is to redeem the world in the eyes of the maker as Andraste told him to do. So that's what he does for Orlay, in his opinion.
0: That's so interesting. It's giving me big Constantine vibes. I
1: think that's a probably fair comparison, but I think that this guy is probably like number one, a better fighter than Constantine and number two, a lot less cynical than Constantine. Like I actually, in the reading, I believe that Emperor Draken like actually believed In Andraste, and I do not believe that Constantine actually believed in Christianity. I believe that he thought it was politically expedient for him to be a Christian, and so he converted.
0: Probably. Probably. So I have a question, clarifying Uh question, in kind of my own reading Is the second blight when they start utilizing mages?
1: Yes. Yeah. yeah and so that happens in uh the divine age. The second blight breaks out in one four. so basically what happens is Draken destroys a Syrian fortress that was like their place of worship for their um like historic gods, and that's where he built the first chantry, and it took him four years until he found what he deemed to be the perfect leader for the chantry. And that person was Justinia the first. And we talked about her in our first episode. So her coronation begins the divine age. So that's divine one one. And so it's just four years later when the blight the second blight breaks out. Um and like I said earlier, he was a hero of this blight. Like he drove them out. He was zealous in his effort to um defeat the dark spawn. And he did, he ended up dying before the blight was actually officially over. But because of his heroism in this blight, it prompted the people of the Anderfels and the Grey Wardens to convert to the Chantry.
0: Wow. So kind of like Kalen, if Kalen was effective.
1: Yeah, but like more, like on steroids. Like. I think that King Kaelin is just, like, hot. That's why people love him. And he he has big golden retriever energy. I don't actually think that he was, like, a good general or, like, a good fighter. I just think that he's cute and people like him because he's friendly. Except for Logan.
0: So, I want to know, like, is there a belief in Andrasteanism that Andraste has for lack of a better word like we say in christian circles we say ascended like has she ascended to divinity herself
1: i would say so like i know that's not what you're asking i would say in practice of what the everyday Theodosian believes yes she has ascended to godhood status in the eyes of the everyday person who lives in Lotharing or Deneram or Montsimard, Like, the everyday person believes that. I don't know what the Chantry's official teaching is.
0: Right. Um, so, I, because, like, there's the idea that, you know, the Inquisitor, it is said that the Andraste sent her, sent them out of the fate. Yeah. You know, and we, like, we learn when we go into the Fade that it's a lot more complicated. Uh, I think depending, like Cassandra says, depending on your really kind of point of view of belief and what you believe who is working, you could say anything about what happened in the Fade with the Inquisitor. Um And so I just was curious about her status in that um
1: Well, we know it's not her though.
0: right. We do know that it's not her. um
1: I mean, I think you can make the interpretation that like the divine exists as an arm of Andraste, so like right, but i the divine divine Justinia was the fifth was acting. Like, in the will of Androste or whatever. Like, you can make that kind of argument. But, like, as far as we know, it wasn't really.
0: Well, I think I remember reading that the spirit that you encounter in the Fade is a spirit of hope.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I don't know
0: about how uh, accurate that is. And I'm sure there is someone smarter than me who, would, who could correct me on that. Uh, But I know that and just kind of, kind of that, you know, that little kind of uh, cliche, you know, like the opposite of fear is hope, you know, and just thinking about that and just like, Mm -hmm. is Andraste like, could it be Andraste's will that is exerting this thing? And, you know... For Andraste, is would be a be-all, end-all enemy. Like, that's her, in D&D terms, that's her big bad.
1: Yeah, for real. But I think, like, your statement about, oh, it's a cliche that hope um, is the opposite of fear. It's a cliche, but it's a cliche because it's true, you know? Like, it's not a coincidence that a spirit of hope comes to the party when they're in the fade this number one thing that's already causing great fear and stress in all of them but also they're dealing with this demon that personifies their fears and takes them and makes them real like that's not i don't think that's a coincidence i think you have a point there
0: yeah again i could be wrong it could be something else but or like a But I mean, it's obviously like a spirit that Mm -hmm. wants to see the end of the fear demon and that kind of thing. And so I think there's just another point to be said in that about. It's kind of like where Cassandra and like, I know this is one of the reasons you love Cassandra. She just says, like, I don't need proof that it was the maker, Aaron Droste, that sent you to us. I can believe that because you are the right person that came to us.
1: Right. And that is why I love her because I think that her faith is complex. Yeah. And a person who has a faith that, you know, hinges on literal definitions or like the most fundamentalist perspective would not be able to take that stance of like, okay, well this might not literally seem true in the moment but like I see how the maker was working through this or I see how Andraste was working through this even though it showed up literally in a way that I misinterpreted
0: and like there's part of this like Andrasteism is so prevalent in Thedas like part of the fact that One of the reasons that mages feel a need to, you know, free themselves to rebel is because of the story of Andraste, that they are Andrastean and they're saying she wouldn't want this
1: for us. That's such a good point. And like literally like most of the humans in Thedas follow Andraste's teachings at some level. Like, no, they may not attend the chantry for church or whatever, But, like, even Cassandra's conversation about Varric, she says, like, did you know that Varric is Androstian?" And she says something like, oh, yeah, he blasphemes with every other breath, but he has a good heart. He believes. And I think that that's where most people in Thetis end up. Most people, at least, who are not officially associated with the Chantry.
0: I mean, and we can talk about the Black Chantry and Tevinter, and we'll talk more about that when we talk about Parvalin and Taventer and everything like that. Uh, and just, even they, at a point, like, hold Andraste in some like, high regard, at least at that point, even though they're like, oh, well, we have a male divine because, you know, screw Orle, You know, just...
1: But, like, that's really the reason.
0: Yeah. It has nothing... Like, it's so petty. There's nothing to do with theology. Their theology... No, that, there's no
1: doctrinal reason. <laughs> no, it's
0: just the fact that... Screw Orlais, um, That
1: Literally. It's so funny to me.
0: It's so real. Uh, but... Yeah, I just think... It's so prevalent. And it's so... Inter, like, mingled that... I feel like everyone who, like, has a different view than the Chantry, at least, has to justify, has a feel to, like, say, like, well, then who was Andraste? You know, like, even the Elves themselves have to come to some realization because she's a part of their history as well. Yeah. Um, And I think one of the biggest just... Real insults to Anzarosse's history are the exalted marches on the dales.
1: Oh, I totally, one hundred percent agree with you.
0: I don't think she. I don't think she would be. I think she'd be a little maybe upset about the imprisonment of the mages, but I think she'd understand that, especially having been raised a little bit in the first blight and understand like the power that magic can corrupt and heal. But she, she would have stood uh, she would have been on the opposing side of the exalted marches
1: i agree and but i think that that is so real like there are so many religions out there and i'll just say it, especially christianity where like the church or the religious institution acts in a way that is not in line with the teachings of their god and I think that's exactly what's happening when the Chantry and Orlais attacks the Dales.
0: Yeah I just think it's a really good example of how a religion can change so drastically after you've lost this person who founded you and how you can move so far away from the intention that was originally started with this movement. And it's just sad that as the Chantry gets established and becomes this powerhouse, that they too fall into this trap of letting power corrupt them. So I think that's all the time we have for today. Uh, thanks for listening to all these things about Andraste. We're about to take a break, and we'll be back with our side character. Welcome back. So today, our side character is one that's very important to the Elven history. And so, Shelby, why don't you tell us who our side character is going to be?
1: Yeah, so our side character, I think I agree with you, super important. And it is Shartan. So if you don't remember him, you get to meet him in Dragon Age Origins in... um, the Temple of Sacred Ash. He's, he has a riddle and you have to solve it before you can move forward. Um, and it's called The Gauntlet, I believe. So a little bit about Chartan. He is, was a former uh, slave. He's an elf. He was born into captivity in Tevinter, of course. As a child, he dreamt of freedom for himself and for for his people. Um, and he dreamt of a homeland. So, as an adult, he rose up against Tevinter, um and inspired other slaves to do the same. So, uh, they rise up against their magisters, they kill a bunch of people, and they kind of flee Tevinter. Um, And it's at this point where Andraste and Mafrath are, like, coming up into Tevinter and their armies kind of meet, um, and they end up joining together. So, um, she eventually, not at this moment, but later on, names him her champion. And after the war um, and everything, Mafarath does honor Andraste's promise to give them an Elven homeland. And he does this in Minus 165 Ancient. And this homeland is the Dales. So uh, the Elven people, they migrate from all over Thetis, really, um, to the Dales, and it's called the Long Walk, which I think is really reminiscent of um, like the Trail of Tears in here in the United States. Um, and many elves died um, during the Long Walk, including Chartan. So, another important thing is the Chant of Light originally included a canticle of Chartan telling his story about how he got out of slavery how he joined andraste and like what happened next Um, but after the exalted march to the dales in 210 glory um, these verses were declared dissonant which also means heretical so um, in the new cumberland chant of light which is what is in the uh, world of thetis encyclopedia volume 2 they um, have the dissonant verses and actually, if you um, if Liliana becomes divine, she recanonizes his Canticle, which is like super controversial throughout Thetis. Um, but I think it's a good thing. So this is um, I'm just going to read a snippet of the Canticle because I think it's interesting. As the people, the elven people, danced over the corpses of slain soldiers, a thunder filled the air and the ground trembled. And a hush fell over them, as they knew a terrible omen had come. From afar they heard the sound of ten thousand voices raised in song, and the marching of a great host. Seeing an army beyond counting gathered in the distance, Shartan said to the people, Let us not fall into the jaws of the wolf together. I will go alone and see what army comes, singing to the lands of Taventer." Across the empty plains, Shartan crept, to where the great host camped, the light from countless fires guiding him through the darkness. Then a great hand clamped down on his neck, and he was lifted into the air, and he looked into the eyes of a towering creature, taller than any legion soldier, featured like a man, but covered in fur like a beast and bearing a mighty shield. The creature spoke in a stern voice, saying, Who are you to come upon us alone, wearing the armor of our most hated foe, when I can see you are no man of that legion? And Shartan answered him, If you hate the legion, then I am your friend. And the giant laughed and set him back upon his feet, declaring, Then the aegis of the Alamari bids you welcome. Follow me to the side of our prophet. The Aegis led him to the center of the great host, and Chartan saw that they counted men and women of all descriptions among them. Many bore the scars of escaped slaves, and some had come west from the coastlands, and they stood as equals beside the wild, giant men of the south. There in the heart of them sang a lady radiant and clad in armor of bright steel. She paused her song to look upon Chartan, and said to him all souls who take up the sword against tevinter are welcome here rest and tell us of your battles and shartan told her i cannot rest while the people wait in darkness and fear so andraste sent him with three of her attendants to invite the people to come to her side and the people came all astonished to stand among andraste's followers and she gave them food and drink and bade them sit, while Chartan gave her the tale of their uprising and flight from Valdorma. When the tale was finished, Andraste said to Chartan, Truly the Maker has called you, just as he called me, to be a light for your people, the host you see before you march, bearing his will north where we shall deliver it, To Minrathus, the city of magisters, and we shall tear down the unassailable gates and set all slaves free. And Shartan looked upon the prophet Andraste and said, The people will set ourselves free. Your host from the south may march alongside us. The giants of the south rose to their feet as one and bowed, and Andraste said, It's done. We march as one. So that's the story of how Chartan's army and Andraste's army joined together and they freed a lot of slaves in Teventer. I wouldn't say all but a majority of them. I love that story. I think it's really powerful and as I was reading it I was getting really emotional because it made me so angry like and I know it's not real like it's it's a video game but it makes me angry to think of the Exalted March against the Dales because it's so un- it's so unjust. And even though it's not real, it's a video game, it is so unjust. Um, after all, the elves have suffered. Um, even if they were antagonistic, of course they're going to be antagonistic. Like,
0: I think it's interesting. There's an interesting dialogue that can happen, and I don't think you did... Yeah, because on your Elven Mage, you didn't do the Frostback Basin DLC. I did not. So you wouldn't have had. So you wouldn't have had this conversation, but you meet a form of Inquisitor, a Meriden, Sorry, spoiler in there. Um, which he he's as you know he's an elf. Um. And he you as an if you are an elf and you have like the history perks and everything like that you have to yeah. tell him that orlay betrayed his people and it's just mm. kind of a a sad moment of that like all that like information and just that just kind of go the history and things like that and just I think a lot of ways, like, and when I talk about this in the first, in the episode zero kind of overview, like, one of the things that I love about Dragon Age is that this, the elves are turned on their heads a little bit. Because um, so often elves in fantasy are, like, super powerful and super, like, OP. OP and just above humanity. And, like, they lord over there and they're the other and they're weird and there is kind of that. But, like, these the elves are oppressed groups of people and it's just kind of flipping the fantasy trope on its head and so i just think about Chartan is really just kind of like this hero that lives on with these elven people and yeah i think he's a good just a good person to highlight
1: yeah i absolutely agree there are a couple other um, things you can find of him in the games So in Dragon Age 2, Hawk finds a book written by Shartan. Um, I think it's called A Slave's Life, and it's a gift for Fenris. Um, And so she gives it, or they give it, I'm sorry, I always play a female Hawk. Um, But anyway, so Hawk can also find Shartan's sword um, after killing the pride demon Hybris. I don't remember that, but apparently it's possible. Um, and then, like I said, in d a i Liliana recanonizes his canticle, and um in d a o he gives you a riddle, and the riddle is this: I'd neither a guest nor a trespasser be in this place I belong that belongs also to me. Do you know what the answer is Austin? No, it's home. ah, yeah, so um, here's a couple other fun facts about Chartan. Um, number one, he is literate. Obviously he wrote a book, uh, but that would have been really rare, um, for a Tevinter slave in this time period. Um, and then number two is that a lot of people then and now suspected that Andraste and Chartan were lovers. Interesting. And that's all I got.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you all for tuning in to the Dragon Age Lorecast. Uh, we'll see you again next week with our uh, next episode. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in. See y'all.
1: Thanks for listening.
0: Thanks for listening to the Dragon Age Lorecast. As always, you can find us on Twitter at DA Lorecast. If you have any lore questions, topics to unpack, or side character suggestions, email them to us at dalorecast at gmail.com. The Dragon Age Lorecast is a part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club. You can join the Robots Radio Network Discord by clicking the link in our episode description. If you enjoyed our show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and give us a review. See you next time.
1: Have you ever wanted to deep dive into the lore and stories behind all your favorite Marvel movies? Then do we have the show for you. I'm Captain Shenko.
0: And I'm Psych 88. Join us as we dissect the media megalith that is the MCU. We'll talk about the origin stories, the fights,
1: and everything in between. The MCU Lorecast releases on all major podcasting platforms on Mondays as part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club and can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.